day Jesus Christ is baptized. Christ who is perfect in himself, like us in all things but sin, is baptized by John today. Why? If he's perfect, why does he need to be baptized? St. Maximus once answered this question very eloquently, and so I quote, Christ is baptized not to be made holy by the water, but to make the water holy, and by his cleansing to purify the waters which he touched. For the consecration of Christ involves a more significant consecration of the water. For when the Savior is washed, all water for our baptism is made clean, purified at its source, for the dispersion of the baptismal grace to the people of future ages. Christ is the first baptized, so that Christians will follow after him with confidence. End quote. In theological words, this is called the divine condescension. Usually if I say someone's condescending, that's negative. Right? But when it is he who is perfect himself, who is Christ who comes down to our level, who becomes one of us so that we may be lifted up, right? it becomes a very positive thing. This is shown elsewhere in Scripture. Right? In the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This event today, the baptism of Christ, indeed the entire Paschal mystery, Jesus' life, passion, death, and resurrection, has to do with one thing, the compassion of Jesus Christ. If you will, the divine empathy to become one with our misery, to enter into our sinful world and consecrate that world to himself. I believe it's this compassion, this empathy of Christ that our world so desperately needs, our world that's hurt, torn apart, and quite honestly, very, very miserable. I think in observing our own country in really the last decade, there's a very disturbing polarization. I had a friend articulate to me the other day that he believed that by and large, people in our country, I might add in the world, but in our country in particular, have lost the ability to have empathy. Everything becomes us versus them. We quickly will paint others in the evilest light and ourselves as the only ones who are good, the only ones who are right. 
And this very simple things turn into arguments that tear families apart, tear communities apart, tear countries apart, even tear churches apart. Right? Whether it's politics, who I did or didn't vote for, school policies, some of which happened decades ago, or whether it's that we should or should not wear masks. Right? We've, then become, we've become so divided against each other that reason no longer wins. Everything's just done with emotion and feelings. I read a quote the other day that sums this up quite well. It's talking of idols and when we... When do we end up worshiping an idol instead of worshiping the true God? The quote said this, When we've reached the point that God hates all the same people that I hate, it's pretty clear that I'm worshiping an idol, which means I'm worshiping myself and not God. We have to be able to see the good in other people, even our own enemies, even those who do do bad things, who do commit bad acts. I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd, so anytime I can throw, throw a Star Wars reference, I take the opportunity. As Luke Skywalker fights his father, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, in his last battle with him. Luke, throughout the last couple episodes, is convinced of this good that still exists in his father. Right? Darth Vader, whose very breath symbolizes evil itself whose very person is the face of the dark side. It's Luke that looks at him and still sees good in him. And what happens at the moment of Vader's death, he asks to remove his helmet, right, that he may look upon his son with his own eyes, that he may see that face that still saw good in him. Let me use a real-world example. I remember several years back, I was attending a March for Life in Washington, D.C. And one of the speakers there was a former Planned Parenthood employee turned big pro-life advocate, Abby Johnson. And she, had, she said something that day that stuck with me and kind of shook me from that us-versus-them mentality. She stated that by and large, before her own conversion, right, the nurses, the volunteers, and the workers that she worked at with at her own Planned Parenthood clinic, she honestly believed that they thought that they were doing good in their actions. Right, that they worked in the place they worked because they were thought they were doing good. 
one that should scare us. Right? That we can be led to believe that something evil can portray itself as good. But two, it should move our hearts in empathy. Right? That our brothers and sisters aren't doing evil stuff for the sake of doing evil, by and large. Right? But they truly believe that they are doing good. It was this philosophy that actually brought Abby's conversion herself. Right? When she was treated with dignity by the people of 40 Days for Life, an organization that pray, prayed outside the clinics, when she was treated with empathy and dignity, it was then that her heart was open to conversion. We have to be able to find a way in our own lives to treat others, even our own enemies. Yes, even those with different political beliefs than us. Even those who live in rivaling communities or we're on different sides of the aisle of school board decisions from us. We have to be able to see them as good with empathy and dignity. This example comes from Jesus Christ himself. One of my favorite prefaces, the prayer that we say before the consecration in the Eucharistic prayer, during ordinary time, says this with absolute beauty. For out of compassion of the waywardness that is ours, Jesus humbled himself and was born of the virgin. By the passion of the cross, he freed us from unending death. And by the rising from the dead, he gave us life eternal. Out of compassion of the waywardness that is ours. Right? In our waywardness, Jesus Christ still saw the good in us and wanted to lift us up. In Mark's gospel, we also read, when Jesus had landed on the shore and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Right? He saw the sinfulness he saw the confusion of the people, and he brought them to himself. Do I live and do I act in this way? Do I live and do I act in a way that I meet people in compassion and empathy and see the goodness in them to raise them up? So f three points on living this out. First and foremost is to let go of grudges. In grudges that we hold, they don't benefit anyone. Whether the grudge is a week old or a decade old. Scripture is clear, we're not supposed to go to bed angry. And so however old that grudge is, it's definitely gone past the point of going to bed. Right? And whether those grudges are something political or something family, whether they're something community, 
or whatever it may be. We have to be able to let go of it to be able to meet other people and raise the bar a little bit on the way we live as a human family. Second point, prayer and sacrifice. I think one of the biggest errors that we can make when we talk about bringing people to conversion, bringing people to Jesus, is to think that the ultimate thing that will bring people to Jesus is the most compelling argument I can make. If only I find the right thing to say to them at the right moment, then they'll come to Jesus. Couldn't be further from the truth. To be sure, Jesus didn't even do that himself. Sure, he did a lot of great teachings. But what was the ultimate act? It was giving of his very life, sacrifice of himself, love to the full. If Jesus was able to do it with a compelling argument, that wouldn't have had to happen. Instead, he laid himself down completely. I believe it to be true that before I even begin to dialogue with somebody, before I even start an argument with them, I should be praying and sacrificing for them daily. That is more powerful than any conversation that will take place. Right? If we are Christians, we should believe that Jesus is the answer. Right? We should believe that Jesus is the answer if we're Christians. That his passion, that his death, that his Holy Spirit and his grace have power. Do I spend more time arguing with people or praying for them? Even if those arguments are imaginary in my own head of what I would say to them, do I spend more time doing that or do I pray for them? A little bit of a sub-point of that is fasting. Our souls were only won by a sacrifice. As I said, but why during a time that the world seems to be falling apart so much do we actually fast less than we did in a time that the world was better? It's a renewed call to our church to increase our prayer, to increase our fasting. Right? Jesus himself said that there are some demons that can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. I believe we're probably in one of those times at this point. I say that first pointing a finger back at myself, to be honest. Last point. Remember the words that Jesus gave us regarding sin. If my right hand causes me to sin, cut it off. If my eye causes me to sin, pluck it out. 
If I find myself getting angry and irrational daily because I'm scrolling through social media or watching news or whatever it may be that I get my talk radio, if that's causing me great anger, turn it off. Delete your account. Get rid of it. It's better for us to be separated from those things than to be daily brought into an occasion of sin. Jesus Christ, out of the compassion for us, became one of us. With the deepest empathy, with a divine empathy. Today, he was baptized in the Jordan. He truly entered into the nastiness of our human condition. And that's what we're called to do for our brothers and sisters. To live with compassion. To live with empathy. And to love them as Christ loved us.